follow the Four Corners Podcast on social media. Like us on Facebook, Four Corners Podcast. Follow us on Twitter, Podcast Four Corners. And check us out on Instagram, Four Corners Podcast. You can also subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review. I want to take this time to apologize to the television audience for what they're about to see. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Four Corners Podcast. I'm Shad here with Matt and Brad. Guys, how are you today? Uh, Doing good, Shad. I'm doing good. All right. Well, we want to say thank you all for coming to join us for this episode. We'll get our shout-outs out of the way first. The first one will go to Collar and Elbow, the wrestling brand, collarandelbowbrand.com. Use the promo code Four Corners Podcast. That's the number four, capital C in corners, capital P in podcast, no spaces, save 10% on your order. Our other shout-out means it goes to Matt. Yeah, that would be to Orlando Cologne. You know, guys, I wouldn't give up my spot to get that COVID vaccine to anyone but I might give it up to Orlando Corlone, just so I could see him wrestle. I would love to see it. <laughs> <laughs> so <clears throat> this week, this week we're going to be doing. We're not not necessarily going to be uh, on a particular uh, show or set of matches or anything. We're going to get into some more of the philosophical underpinnings on wrestling, or maybe talking more about the the meta context of it. Um. We have a little list going on here, and uh, well, Brad, which one are we starting with? Well, um, guys. Oh, guys, I'm sorry, Matt. Yeah, before before we get into the list, we should we should break the big news. We've uh, we've been purchased by Peacock for distribution. Oh, <laughs> They're giving us uh, I don't know, like five dollars and a chicken sandwich. <laughs> yes, and um, we'll be who's getting the chicken out of- sandwich? I am. We'll be- We'll be rolling out our back catalog on Peacock, which means you get five episodes for the first year, plus new content, and then we'll get to the rest of it when we fucking feel like it. Yeah, it'll it'll slowly trickle in. Promise. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, you were wanting to search for that particular thing, that particular episode. Good luck. You know what the the worst thing about this Peacock uh, WWE Network deal? I bet you they still keep, like, the same awful, like, user interface. I bet you that's exactly what's going on. Uh, not. I don't. Uh, you know, I have to. I have not. to hand. I have to hand it to Hollywood and just the content producing industry as a whole. Congratulations, guys! You ruined streaming like you ruined cable. Yep. It's new. It's the new cable. It yeah. is. You now might as well get like, cable. Yeah, you might as well get cable because it's you're going to be paying the same price because it's like. Here, instead of having just cable, where you're paying one flat fee, you're going to have to pay like uh, 12 different uh, streaming services that basically equals the same amount of money. So, yep. And a lot of them have commercials. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh you want you want commercial free? Well, you got to pay. That's, uh, that's like $5 extra. That's extra, like, no. yeah. No. No. <laughs> if I'm paying for your service, you know what? Never mind. I'm mad enough about it. Uh, it's. I don't want it. 
be honestly with you, but I guess I guess the sneaky thing that they're doing is that if you have a WWE Network subscription, which I do, you're just gonna get you're they're gonna roll it over and you're going to get a Peacock like account. Yeah. yeah. Like they're just going to like give me one. Which I'm like, okay, okay, I don't have one. I don't know how you're gonna like transition it into one. I guess if I keep it, it in I'm coming out ahead because this will only be like five dollars for the the commercial version. Yeah, the ad version. Yeah, if I want the non ad version, I have to pay the ten bucks. But it's like, you know what? I don't even watch like the WWE network that often. So if I even decide to keep it, I'm just gonna like I'll just keep the ad version. And I bet you I bet you I bet you they won't do it this year, but I'm betting this is gonna be the start of like (laughs) SummerSlam and WrestleMania costing extra. Meltzer, uh, I, I listened to him talk about this deal, and he was alleging that that's that while that's possible, that's not likely to happen because they would have just announced that from the gate, which I think makes a certain amount of logical sense. Because when they did the whole when uh, when there was the whole ESPN Plus UFC deal, they they were upfront about that. They, you know, they they said like, yeah, the pay per view is going to cost extra, which I. I actually didn't think they marketed that that well because when I I got the like a year and a half ago they had that package where you can get Disney Plus, Hulu, mm-hmm. and ESPN Plus all in one for like one price. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh great, I, I can actually maybe start watching like the USA views. <laughs> and they're like, oh no no, those are like seventy dollars extra a month. I'm like, no no no, I, I'm I'm fine. Do those ever hit ESPN <clears throat> Plus's like archive like six months later or anything? I don't know. I'd actually have to look into mm. that. Because I've, I've considered going back and, like, watching the UFC, like, sequentially over time. Mm-hmm. But, like, um, I don't know. They've kind of turned me off the last couple years. Though I did laugh at Connor losing um, last weekend. I like Connor, even though I think he's he's just an awful human being as a person. Um but I mean, he just—I don't think he cares anymore. I mean, the dude had the dude got a hundred million just from like the Mayweather fight, let alone everything else that he's done in his life. He pretends like he wants it though, because you know he throws dollies at and injures people and yeah. and buses, but then he loses. Yeah. It's if I if I had gotten a hundred million dollars for a fight. After it was over, I would have said, "All right, thank y'all very much. This has been my re- retirement from uh, from getting hit in the face professionally." Yeah, but I'm the gonna problem go... is, I think the problem is though is, I think before um, before he got rich and famous, he was European white trash, and now he's just European white trash with money. So, <laughs> Whew. well, I guess we'll see. He might end up becoming a more of a punchline or it could be like um oh crap who was that who was i posting about that's like 28 million dollars in debt i'm not sure oh it was an athlete was it a was it a football player no it was vander kane um from the sharks is 28 million dollars in debt and he makes seven million dollars a year (laughs) he could end up like that yeah he could like Evander King can't even file Chapter Thirteen because he's too deep in debt. I think it's either Chapter Eleven or Chapter Thirteen. He can't file. Jeez. Because like the cutoff's like ten million or something, and that's 
how bad off he is. That's oddly impressive. I don't okay. know how you, I don't fathom how you could be that deep in. But anyway, oh, so oh. our first question of the night on our um, our talk is how many title belts are too many? And I know the answer is the WWE, but like let's let's kind of get into the weeds of like do you think I even think New Japan probably has too many? New right. Japan, yeah, I would actually agree. If you have, if you actually watch like one of the, one of their really big pay per views, like Wrestle Kingdom, they could literally between. Well, now it's two nights, but I mean, if they have twelve to fourteen matches between both nights, like ten of those matches are going to be for like a belt. Like, there's what a do lot they of, have now? They have we have the IWGP. <clears throat> yeah, the the obviously you have the main championship. You have uh, Intercontinental IWGP Tag and Junior Tags, the Junior Belt. The never open weight, the never six mans, and then you have, the you have the U.S. title. Yeah, and the U.S. title, and Which, I, if you also want to, I don't know if he still has it, but remember, like Zack Saber Jr. had that uh, like Rev Pro title, which they oh, were. Oh, I don't. Yeah, they um, were defending it for a while, but I haven't seen, I haven't seen it uh, mentioned in a bit, so I don't know. I don't think that's theirs, though. He's just having it's it not on theirs, the show. But I mean, they did. They were defending it pretty far around doing, it, and they were doing angles around it. So, um, to me, for what it's worth, my uh, my my intro into wrestling was the you know the Nitro era stuff. And with a roster as big as that is, I would say they've they they probably bumped up on the on the edge. So they had the cruiserweight title, TV title, U.S. title, world title, and tag titles. For a big that big of a roster, I think that that's that's fine because you've got you've got a specialty division, you've got your tag belts, you got a lower card, a mid card, and then your top title. Well, and the, the TV title should be a gimmick belt anyway. Yeah. Well, I mean, it 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 is it was the the gimmick well, by, was that it was defended all the time. So, but by that time in WCW, around, it it wasn't what a TV title should be. They had dumbed it down to being like just a lesser US belt, and the time limit would come in sometimes. But like in the olden days, it was clearly like a different belt. Right. But just in terms of numbers, now, okay, women's title, given given that the way that their roster was set up, five was good for them, and I, they, did they ever have an, like, officially make a women's division? They had two women's titles in 97. They had a women's belt and then, like, a women's cruiserweight belt that never, like, showed up on TV. Okay. It's if you're having um, what's what am I looking for here? If the majority of your roster is is men or women or something like that, have you know having belts for the for that uh, that other part of your roster, I, I get. But you know, there's no need for two sets of tag belts. There's no need for, you know, the 
the Intercontinental and the U.S. both. There's no need for two world titles. None of that's necessary. That's like E-Fed shit from like 2000 when you needed a bunch of belts that people had. To keep everybody on your roster happy. Yeah. Yeah. Um it, it, yeah, yeah, that it, that's too many. But, you know, if it's a big roster, that's great. If it's a smaller roster, then you knock off your, your low-end singles title. You know, mid-card title, heavyweight title, tag title. Uh, three or four, if you don't have... You know, if it's it's if your roster is predominantly one or the is predominantly one or the other, that's and it it's not a big company, I guess. If you're gonna add in, I think a third singles title, it has to have some, it has to have a hook. Like that's where I think WWE goes wrong is like I. And it wasn't a great belt, and it didn't last long. But like I think the European title was actually like a good idea. Because it was different. I liked the hardcore title for the same reason. It it mixed stuff up, and you could put you could put anybody into the hardcore mix, and anybody could conceivably win the hardcore. Setting aside the hardcore battle royal, where anytime somebody got a pin, they had a title reign. Set that aside, because that makes my head hurt. But the fact that you you know. Big Show could have the hardcore title, but it's feasible that Raven beats him and takes it because it's a hardcore title and damn near anything goes. And then Steve Blackman comes along and takes it from Raven. And that makes sense that Steve Blackman has a longer run because he's Steve Blackman, and but then someone else takes it off of him eventually. Like, there's your hook, and it kind of mixes things up a little bit. It's like, you know, once once a show, we're going to have a we're going to have a plunder match. Now I think I think though I will say I'm gonna the one exception to this I feel like though is NXT where the North American title should not exist because it's it's stupid <clears throat> in concept because you're you're on you're on a developmental brand and I know they pretend like it's its own brand but you're you're not even the champion of the developmental brand you're like the secondary champion like that's a belt that in execution concept and everything just should not exist. I actually, I have come around to that way of thinking. I would agree. I, I shouldn't even phrase it like, oh, I've come around to that way of thinking. I was going like, to say, there's... Like, it's, it, it, uh, let me finish my thought really quickly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's Sorry. That, it, I think it was created only because it's like you, you had a bunch of other guys that you wanted to get over, but you couldn't have them compete for and or win the title. So you just created this like secondary title, but it's like it, it's been like a, a worthless title. Like it's it doesn't have to exist, and it shouldn't exist. And I think they've killed they've really killed it by putting it on like Leon Ruff. And no offense to the guy, but it's like if you're once you get to the point where you're at like joke champions, then like that that's that's it. Like that's well, done. And you're like at joke champions, and you're not even like you're at year three, mm-hmm. and it's a belt that you can't. Like I couldn't tell you anything anyone's ever done with a North American title. I mean, Rod Roderick Strong held it for a while. I think um I think the kid diddler did too. Uh yeah, that that's 
you're right. That's that's another. See, their roster's not big enough. Well, no, they their don't... roster's too big actually because they just have they just have people sitting around that might appear on TV every now and then. Okay. But, I mean, their regularly appearing roster is not big enough for it. Like it, it, it's it, yeah. Uh, to go to Brad's point, I just wanted to like add like an anecdote because they they I guess they're still doing the whole dusty women dusty tag classic with the yeah. women. I don't know if they're doing it with the men too. They might be. I, I they, they they're doing it with both because they have to like ruin every gimmick by. <laughs> they gotta yeah. They have to run it to the ground. Well, they have to they have to do it for the men and the women now. So it just beats you over the head with all their gimmick stuff instead of maybe like giving each like roster something special to do but like i don't i'm just over it because like they keep they keep doing this with like the women and like sometimes it's okay but like the royal rumble like has really eh it's like whatever i don't need two royal rumbles i don't need like two war games i really don't need them to do war games oh we really we really did not need two war games and and now it's like it, didn't we get like a a woman's hell in the cell too? Like, no, that's yeah, fine because well, that's been they've had Sasha Banks in that the last two years, so she's usually like she. They usually they they've honestly like the last the last two years, I would say the women's hell in the cell has been more worthy of its storyline wise than what they've put in with the men because it was Becky and Sasha and then Sasha and Bailey. Mm. So, I would say those are worthy of it, but I mean, the, they've ruined Hell in the Cell by just making that an annual event instead of like <clears> these guys hate each other so much they have to. Yeah, and it's not just they 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 don't just have like one Hell in the Cell match; they have like three, and it's like uh, please, that's no. my bigger problem is the fa- like okay two Royal Rumbles that's uh, you know that doesn't bother me over much. I mean the event's called. Royal Rumble, fine, do it. You know, it, it, have there be Royal Rumbles. Okay, uh, I'm I'm not gonna. I'll, I'll let that one go. But the we don't need. You know, if if you're gonna have the tag team classic, then just have a tag team classic and and switch off. Is it gonna be? You know, is it gonna be men or is it gonna be women? Is it gonna be you know? Trade it off back and forth so you don't wear it out. But no, you can't have that. Well, the the, the problem in NXT with the, the, the women's Dusty Classic is there's really no... Um, there's really no precedent for there to be women tag, t- women tag teams at NXT. So you're not yeah. even getting, like... You're not even getting, like, well-established teams. You're just getting shit they've thrown together. And uh, honestly, like... You're getting like, random pairings, yeah. Yeah. And like half the women in the tournament really don't are inconsequential to NXT to begin with. That's that's what I was going to your point like a minute ago where you're like people you who show up every now and again. I saw one of the teams. It was I forget who it was, but the, their tag team partner was Jesse Elaban. And it's I was like I literally did a double take. I'm like, are you kidding me? They that girl's still on the roster. And I remember to us, Brad, you and I talking about like the well, really, all of us talking about the May Young Classic from 2018, so two years ago, and that's the last time that I can think of them using her. I guess she has randomly appeared on NXT for matches every every like every like month or two. They'll throw her out there, 
but she's not like a featured character or wrestler on these shows. And it's like, wow, how is she still on the roster? Like two years later, there are people who have been fired, who've been let go, who I, no offense, but who are of greater value. I mean, they got rid of the good brothers early in 2020 after the pandemic began and I mean, you could argue like two dudes who were like in their late thirties or early forties that they don't they don't have the same value as say, I don't know, like na- I, name a dude who they're gonna they're gonna be pushing who's young. Uh, yeah, who's young? That's a <laughs> that's a make-up. tall order. Yeah, um, but I mean, look at look at the Good Brothers and the Impact though. I mean, look a, at like yeah, that's my th- point. Like they even if you're like, well, they don't have the same value as like. Uh, uh, like a Drew McIntyre. I know he's like, he's at like in his mid thirties at least. But I mean, let's say like he, he doesn't have as much value as other guys. It's like, okay, yeah, but then they went to another company and they immediately had value. Like you, they're featured in Impact. They're the tag champs there. They're part of this AEW Impact angle. They just headlined a pay per view. Like clearly they're they they have a value. And you had Jesse Elevan still around. And I'm con- like I'm convinced someone. Someone on the someone in management or somebody is like dating her or wants to. She's a cute girl. She's very pretty. I was gonna say you're, we're dealing with. I, I think what I was gonna say is with the Good Brothers, you're dealing with people who are proven successes, mm-hmm. as opposed to someone who is unproven and you haven't done anything with. You know, the the, the Good Brothers who have you know been the last thing they did was get killed by the Undertaker on WrestleMania in the main event of the second night, and then, like, oh, by the way, you're gone. It's like, as opposed to someone who hasn't been around and done it, you know, like prime future endeavor target. Well, so, how, long is, how long has stupid Mojo Raleigh been around? Is he still around? Yes. He's still around. Wow. Mojo has got pictures of somebody doing something they ought not be doing. Like, there's legitimately... I've legitimately seen... Guys wrestling their first match in Japan who are better than him. I don't know, but I'm going to pull us back over. Does where does that put us on number of titles? Um, I'd say I'd say it depends on your roster and your ability to book it. Like where I'd say like I'm going to use WWE as an example right now, and we've had this conversation before. But you can they they're they're the prime example of excesses, and like you could. You don't need two world titles. You don't need two tag titles. You don't need... Two mid-card um, titles. Yeah, two mid-card titles. You don't need two women's titles. And, like, you probably... If you got rid of one of the women's titles, you might be able to focus enough to make the women's tag titles worthwhile. But, like, I really think WWE, you could get away with a world title, intercontinental, tag... um women's title and then your 24 seven belt is your company belt and you could call it a day you, you could it's my my number is i'm gonna say barring having like if it's if if it's a women's um company or if it's a company that's predominantly meant three to five somewhere in there is is where i would put it and if you're like well we can't do we've got too many people to do good stories without titles and i was like, you either have too many people or you don't know what you're doing. So that's where I would put it. 
What I'd do you say, think, Matt? I'd say six if you can get away with, if you're like a J- Japanese company and maybe you're running like a dual circuit. Okay. What do you think, Matt? Yeah, I'm, I'm very much more the less is more thing. Mm-hmm. That's my attitude. Um, I actually, I hate to always set them up as like a standard because I, I don't want to think we're just like AEW fanboys, but I do like, <laughs> I do like the way that AEW is doing things where it's like the world title and the world title is protected and it's very important. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have now only had like three champions and the, the company has been in business like a year and a half. Like, I guess actually technically we're actually coming up on two years, but uh, counting from when they had like dedicated TV mm-hmm. and they actually, you had the first inaugural champion. It's been about a year and a half. So you've had three champions. Like they've, it's each run, each reign outside of Omegas who just won it, you know, barely over a month ago. Yeah. Um, each reign has been like lengthy. Like even Jericho, who is he only held it for like six months, but still six months. And nowadays is like a good. It's like a long run. Yeah. And uh, Moxley really did a lot with that title. Then you have the uh, you have the TNT title, which it's it's been it's changed hands a little bit more but and in theory you could have that change hands but they're i think trying to keep that protected too yeah uh and then you have like the tag champs you have the AEW women's champs like both of those haven't changed hands that often um i'm not counting something like the ftw championship which i guess you could count maybe i think that's a good amount (laughs) i wouldn't add like another singles title to that the only thing i would maybe consider with them adding that i think they could get away with is you could probably if you wanted to do like a trios or six-man title because they have they have i think they're debating it uh i understand what you're saying brad but i only say that just because you have a they actually have a lot of they have a lot of tag teams and they have a a, ironically they somehow have a lot of like trios Mm -hmm. like think about it you have best friends that's three people you have like jurassic express that's really three people yeah, you have um, Dark you have, Order uh, could really be a six man. Darth Order, Dark Order could be. You have Death Triangle. I guess you have Kingston with Butcher and Blade. Um, you could put Inner Circle in there. You could do a combination of Inner Circle. You Taz's could Taz's guys. Taz's oh, yeah, guys. Taz. That'd could. be a great way to. And you know, honestly, <laughs> that'd be a great way to put um, Powerhouse Hobbs with um, Ricky Starks and. Brian Cage. Yeah, oh, and it, could wow. be, it could just be a way to get you know guys over, and that could be like maybe the one belt that changes hands more frequently. Sure. I'm not saying they should do that. I'm just saying like they could get away with it. Um, but that's like the max I would do. I think they have a good equilibrium where it's like two singles titles. You have like the mid card title, the world title. Um, I guess you have three with the women's title, but obviously that's a different category. But you have the women's title, the tag titles. And everything is protected. Mm-hmm. Like I think that's a good idea. Like at WWE, it's it's so many different. It's duplicate titles on all at practically three different brands. It's like that's mm-hmm. way way too many. Mm-hmm. To the point where they don't even do things with half the half half the titles they have. They don't do anything with them. I'm convinced I mean, they forget about you, them. I couldn't even title, tell you the U.S. champion right now. It uh. Is it a Hurt Business guy? Yeah, isn't it Cedric? Might be. I think it's Cedric. Um, and who's the, who's the Intercontinental title? It was Sammy. Oh, Biggie. <clears throat> yeah, Biggie. 
Which, in theory, like this, should, I mean, if in the old days, the days of like twenty five years ago, if Biggie had like the uh, the IC title, like that, that would this would be them like skyrocketing him. He's because he's going to be groomed to be like a next main event guy, and Biggie's a dude who should be. Yeah, like that dude's ridiculously talented. It felt and has like they were so much charisma. It felt mm-hmm. like they were just getting ready to groom him, and he was getting ready to get that rocket strapped onto him, and then it's like they just completely stopped. That's that like, they do. They do it with everyone. Yeah, U.S. champ by the way is Lashley. Okay, that makes sense. Oh, okay, yeah. So, I mean, they well, they don't do anything with the. I mean, I guess they they have they've done something with those two titles, but those titles are like superfluous now. And think about this: like, what about the what about the twenty four seven title? Like that was really entertaining when you had r Truth and Drake Maverick, and now it's like, what are they doing with it? I don't, I don't. I don't even have an idea. If they, if they start, yeah. If they do stuff, it's all like online, or maybe I don't see it. Yeah. I think they've even stopped doing that stuff. It it happens once every now and again, but I would even say like Impact actually has been. I, and I haven't followed Impact. I actually started following them more since this AEW like working relationship they've done. AE, uh, sorry, Impact. I feel has been. At least what I've seen in the last like month or two, it seems like they've been doing something. They their titles are a little more well done and protected. You have Rich Swan; he's like the world champion, but you also have like some contention there with Moose. Mm-hmm. You have Deanna Parrazzo. Well, Moose is doing the Moose is doing the. He's like he has the the TNA World Title Belt, and he's saying he's like the real real world champion. Yeah, yeah which I like that gimmick. <laughs> and then they have the the Knockouts Belt, which um. They're protecting that really well. They even made Deanna their wrestler of the year. Then they just mm-hmm. recrown knockout tag champs. Then you have <clears throat> tag champs, and then you have the X Division champion. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You only have five titles, and they all make logical sense. And the it's very logical, the kind of like views and competition that wrestlers get in for this belt. It's like it makes a lot of sense. There's, um, I mean, again, if you want to talk about that this matters, and it does, but, I mean, you have you have diversity with that roster. You have an African-American man as world champion. And besides, like, obviously they're grooming, I think, towards a, a, rich, a rich swan Omega match, but you have, like, Moose there, another African-American there competing well, no, you the had, they had They just had, like, they were doing an angle last month where the top four guys on the roster, their four main eventers squaring off were <laughs> Willie Mack, Chris Bay, mm-hmm. Rich Swan, and Moose. So their entire main event was all African American. And it was and the beauty of it, the thing that was great is that it was all organic. It was like all these guys like legitimately you could be like, yeah, they all have a they, they all should be competing. Like they're not mm-hmm. this isn't yeah. like this is like a yeah, like we need to throw a, a diversity thing in there. It's like no, they all like had they're all good workers. They had a logical reason for competing for the belt. It was great. And you have you have like your you have your well known big leaguers like you know Brian Myers and Matt Cordona that are there. You you just crowned um, you just crowned new knockout champions with um, Kira Hogan and Tasha, Tasha Steele. Steel. I love I love them. By the way, they're they're low key. They're low key one of the best. Um, their antics are great. 
Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, no, they're they're good. Um, I've you know I really feel bad for for NWA because they started 2020 with like a lot of fire, and they just got shut down by the the pandemic. And well, they, they lost. They, they lost a lot of people. Like Tasha Steele was in NWA, and I mean, people got to work, but it's it's rough because you know that that's people forget that that's not what killed them. It's fucking Dave Lagana being a creepy sex pest mm-hmm. that yeah. that did them in. That's that's true. <laughs> yeah, because he was like, I don't even want to go into that because I read about that and it was just so fucking bizarre. But um, yeah. <clears throat> So let's right. move on to our next yep. subject, which is um. I, I don't want to talk about it, but I will say just in general, anytime, anytime you're like, okay, well, let me explain. It's like, oh no, no, you're already well, lost. Let me <laughs> let me explain. Let me explain why there was platonic naked spooning in my bed. Yeah. <laughs> which if, I, yeah. If you if you were like, no, I I categorically deny it. Like those things never happened. That's one thing. If you're like, oh okay, no, let me explain. It's like, okay, no, you lost. You lost. <laughs> no, that's when that's where that's where um that's where dumbass David Starr like, oh, lost because he's like I'm not a sex predator but and it's just like yeah. oh <laughs> pull the lever that's done that, no that's you know like, what it is mm-hmm. you know what it is it's like you're the dramatic prairie dog you're just like duh 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 <laughs> That's right. like the, whenever someone's like, "Well, I don't want to sound creepy, but no, everything, anything you say from this point is going yeah. to sound creepy." Yeah, <laughs> it's just, it's, there's it's only it's one way to salvage that. Yeah, um, I don't want to sound creepy, but I really like waffles. You know, that's you, you've got to. When it, that's always like, I don't want to sound creepy, but and then it's going to be like, "Oh God, what is it? Your feet smell nice." Like, "Oh God, get away from me!" <laughs> All right. What was the next question, Brad? Um, let's see. Do you think a wrestling promotion needs an ace? So let's um for the discussion of this, let us describe to people what an ace is because um that's I think that's a little more insidery lingo or you have to be deeper into the internets for that concept to really materialize. Sure. So well, let's define the term just to make sure we're on the same page. So let's let's uh let's 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 go from where the term probably comes from, which is so if you're a baseball team and your ace pitcher is your A number one pitcher that you put out in all the big situations and you contrive your pitching rotation so that he gets the most starts throughout the season and probably pitches your most important games like in the playoffs. So that is that is the concept of an ace. So when you when you when you materialize that into wrestling, that is your A number one baby face that probably even if he does not have the belt is still probably in the top program. So when we're talking about your baby face aces, we're talking about Okada right now, um, Hogan back in the day, Sting at points in his career, uh, John Cena, Stone Cold Steve Austin, like Tanahashi, um, those types of people. Um, Mizawa, like yeah. in his day, uh, they, they Baba push, and Saruta, yeah, Baba. those guys. They tried to push. Uh, they tried to push Reigns as that people until people rejected it. But I mean, I Reigns right now as a heel is is uh, is pretty much the best thing he's done in his career. So I guess who would you vote as like ahead, an NXT? Sorry, I'm sorry. Like an no, NXT no, go ahead. Does NXT even have one? 
Uh, no, I would say they don't right now. It should have been. It was Gar- Johnny Gargano until they like muffed <laughs> him badly, and fans don't like him anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it was. I would say. I would say it was NXT did have. It was. It was Sami Zayn. Mm-hmm. Then it was Finn Balor. Okay. And then Nakamura maybe. Nakamura, and then I think it went to Johnny Gargano, and then they've screwed it up, and I don't think they have one right now. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I guess no, it was Keith Lee until recently. They haven't replaced Keith Lee like in that hierarchy. Oh no, I'm I'm dumb. I'm sorry. It was Bailey for like three years. Oh, there we go. It was Sami Zayn, then it was Bailey. Okay. Okay. So for me, um, uh, the way I looked at the ace was uh, I, I was considering it a little bit more broadly as in like the face that you could always go to uh, instead of like the face that's always right there on top. But um, so, you know, for me, you know, Sting is is my uh, perennial go to for a company's ace kind of thing. Um, I think that it's, it's not, I don't go in for the, um, we got to have an ace the way you described it. I, I I would go for an ace light, like a guy who can move in and out of the main event picture without a problem, but he doesn't have to be there all the time. But, you know, you've got the, the, the heel that for some reason is unbeatable and comes in and, no one can get a handle on him, and they finally turn to the to the ace, and he's like, "Yeah, I got this." Like, <clears throat> I like that. You don't have to, but the fact I like the the concept of having the hero who's who's there to step up and give the story hope. Like, either either he's going to come in and fight tooth and nail to finally bring it home, or he's going to, you know. He's going to claw and bite and scratch, and if he gets knocked down, then in a little while he'll he'll come back around. I like that. You don't have to, but I do like it because it gives the fans a, a, a home base to come back to. I think from like a purely drawing and um, <laughs> box office success, I think an a- having an ace is more successful than not having an ace. Across international boundaries. I kind of go back and forth because I think is the ace. The ace isn't purely events creation, but Vince, no, it's I more think... of a. I actually think it's um, <clears throat> I think it's a stronger Japanese concept than it is um, an American concept. I mean, there definitely it definitely was around in in American wrestling for a while. I mean, you like. This this was his father, not necessarily Vince, but like Bruno was mm. was definitely like the WWF, sorry WWWF ace yeah. for yeah, like then Paige for twenty years. Mm, yeah, for like years and years <laughs> and years, and wildly successful. Jerry Lawler and, in Memphis. Jerry Lawler, oh, in Memphis, yeah, oh, clearly. Yeah. Uh, who I mean, you also have like other Eddie people, Graham like, in Florida in like the sixties. Uh, John Tolos out in like uh, California. Yeah, I think Vern he... Vern Gagne in um AWA. The the Von Ericks in Texas, world class. Did they have Memphis? 
What am I saying? I don't you know. Said, said... It was Jackie Fargo before it was um, Jerry Lawler. Okay. It, for some reason, I just had this moment where I didn't. Um, what was I trying to think of? No. I, oh, did Smoky Mountain have one? No. That was kind of part of their issue. Because he could never... <laughs> He could never lock down that face he was confident in. He wanted Brad Armstrong, but he didn't get Brad Armstrong till the end. So, like, honestly, their top baby face for most of that run was Bob Armstrong, who was more the commissioner than an entering right. talent. Okay. Yeah, I, it's not a purely Vince creation. I think Vince did, like, dial it to 11. Because, I mean, obviously, like, people like Hogan and Austin. Yeah. I think you needed... I think with Hogan, you needed... You need the concept of an ace to to unify so many diverse markets behind mm-hmm. um, a singular product. Oh, Junkyard Dog in um, Mid South would have been okay. an ace too. Okay. Yeah. Oh, you also have um, had people like Roddy Piper in Mid Atlantic. You even had like Buddy Rose in like Pacific Northwest Wrestling. Yeah. Like there's this the 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 concept or the trope definitely has been around out there. Uh. I, it's not like a purely Vince thing. I think Vince did dial it up to 11. I agree with you about Hogan. Like Hogan, uh, I mean, I know people like uh, Dave Meltzer has talked about this, but like Hogan was like the perfect storm. Like he really, he was the, the only person who could have done that. I mean, he, he had like the look, the charisma. Just enough in-ring <laughs> talent to not make the matches unwatchable. Yeah. Uh, I would overall agree with Brad. I do think having an ace that you can center it around works best. I think you can make the most amount of money because if you get if you get the right person, the right talent for the job, like you you can literally like have boom periods. And I know that we definition of boom period can vary because uh, we we've in our lifetime have seen like two tremendous boom periods, you know, with Hogan in like the late eighties and then again like the late nineties with like Austin. And then you have like the NWO stuff, like all of that. But I do think like you can you can definitely have like regional boom periods. I mean, mm-hmm. like Japan's having had in the two the tens. Yeah. With Okada. And you could still be like very profitable and successful. I mean, you don't have to be like a household name to be a, a successful person. If you run a if you run a, um, an independent promotion, and you know you have a guy that you've locked into like for two or three years. He's like your main guy, and people keep coming to your shows. You're making money, like mm-hmm. you're doing all right by yourself. So I do think that having an ace does work out like that. Um, I think the problem that which we definitely saw in the WWE in recent times when Roman went down sick with cancer that he, yeah, thankfully that he, you know, it, it, he beat it and it's gone into remission again. You, I think, I think you can't. You can. It's fine having one ace, but I feel like you always have to have like a back burner or someone who can you can slot into that. If not one person, maybe like multiple people. Mm-hmm. Like kind of like when Austin and Taker started having injury issues, so Mankind and The Rock were waiting there in the wings to yeah. pick up the slack. And, yeah. and then a little bit after that, you know, you had like Angle and Lesnar even. Yeah, or and, even like mm-hmm. even in like New Japan. <laughs> You always had Nakamura there behind mm-hmm. Tanahashi, and now you have like Okada and Naito and Ibushi and Tanahashi still sitting there. Yeah, Tanahashi is older, can still go. 
Um, but Okada's still Okada's young. Yeah. I don't even think he's like mid thirties yet. And you're, you're talking about in New Japan or just Japan in general. Like you can have dudes well into their forties who can still go. I mean, you're not necessarily going to be put the, the world title on him or have him as your ace, but Minoru Suzuki is like 52 and still puts on like every, every year there's at least a match or two that he's in that is like match of the year candidate. Yeah, you can, you can see he's starting to slow down, but he's, um, he's still excellent. Yeah, he's still excellent. Um, and they have like a crop of guys that could actually, I mean, Ibushi is like in his late thirties, but he's, He's like a freak of nature. Yeah. Uh, you don't know, like guys like Hiromu Takahashi, he could maybe do it. I know. <laughs> I know Melser loves Will Ospreay. Ugh. I mean, he's like a guy Jin that. So they not. They wouldn't have him in top for like forever, but you could. He, they are clearly styling him. I don't know. I don't know if he's eventually going to leave, but guys like Jay White. I mean, there you you need. I think you need backups. I think Sonata could do it. You know, I think Sonata could do it too. He's I feel like he needs a little more like charisma and personality. There was uh this is just a, a funny joke to me, but there someone posted on Twitter, it was like a picture of Ibushi just like blankly staring and Sonata blankly staring and it was like <laughs> not not a thought in their heads. It's like it's true, they both look kinda of like they're just like staring off into space at times. Yeah. Even though as talented as they are, they're probably like they're two of the most talented wrestlers in the business right now. So let's see here. Let What's see what our next question? Um, what is the ideal show length? I think this could be a quick, fast one because I'm gonna I'm gonna start us off. I think 2.5 to 3.5 hours, and if you go over any longer than that, you start losing my interest <laughs> rapidly. Uh, I will wholeheartedly co-sign. I think. Growing up, I mean, it was like two and a half hours. Uh, and then if you had like a special show, like a WrestleMania, it was like three and a half to four hours. And I'm okay with like a three-hour show. Uh, but I, I really feel like I wish they would just do that, just like three hours. And then every now and again for like the really special show, like like WrestleMania, four hours. But that's not four hours main show, another hour or so pre-show. Like, no, I, it's it's too much. Well, like they were <clears throat> they were dipping into with regular pay-per-views a couple of years ago before they finally figured out they needed to cut it down. Like, you needing for like a standard issue pay-per-view with nothing even that special on it that you had to tune in at six for the pre-show. And then the pay-per-view might drag out to like 11.30 for like mm-hmm. a standard, a standard pay-per-view. It was it, just getting obscene. Yeah. They, it, it's so weird that you have a in, a, in a, in a time when they didn't know what to do with all the people that they had, they would still have shows that were that long. Um, it just... Oh, it just baffles me. Um, for me, I'm going to say about three, three and a half hours, and I'm going to kind of wiggle my hand about, you know, are you going to have an intermission in there? Basically, are you, are you going to have a built-in bathroom break or something like that? I need, <coughs> I need 
let's see. I need either got to give me a really bad match that I'm going to be comfortable is going to last long enough for me to take a pee about two hours in, or you got to give yeah. me a bathroom break. Yeah. Because if, if you don't do that, then people are just going to start meandering off to go to the bathroom and think and it's going to disrupt what you're doing right there about mid show. So give them a built in break to, I don't know, go to the bathroom, get some snack stuff like that and come back. You know what? That's fine. That's exactly what I used to use the the musical acts at WrestleManias for. I didn't I didn't want to hear Kid Rock at WrestleMania. I was I went and took a dump, but you know it's that's that's what um, you build that in, and and that gives you a little more wiggle room. I don't want to give you a whole lot more than that, but it gives you a little more wiggle room. All right. Uh, it it kind of seems like we've come to consensus on that one. Yeah, I because like the thing is, once you get past three and a half hours, all I can think about is how much my back hurts. <laughs> it, it just my my interest starts waning like and, very and, heavily. And especially if you go to Ring of Honor, like when you get past three and a half hours, that's when they start wanting you to pay attention to like thirty minute matches, and it's just like, come on, guys. Yeah. Like, no. Uh, yeah, I'm burnt out. I yeah. remember I, I I think we talked about it on the show, but I I went to. Gosh, it was was it was it the New Orleans one? It was the New Orleans one, which I'm trying to think. I think that at this point is like three years ago. Um, the Ring of Honor show that they did in in New Orleans, uh, and it was a good show. It wasn't even a bad show. I liked most of the matches. I liked you know the majority of the show. I can't say it was bad at all. And the finale was like, uh, I think it was Dalton Castle defending against Marty Skrull. And it was a good match. But I was like over it. I was almost falling asleep in my chair. And it's not because it was a bad match at all. No, it was exciting. It was good. But I was just, it was, at that point, it was like I was nearing the end of at least like the fourth hour. Might have actually been and you're longer. too tired to care. Well, didn't I they put that on after Cody and Omega, too, which is what people were really there for? Yes. Ah, that's just dumb. Yeah. All right, what's our next one, Brad? Uh, let's look here. Sorry, I turned my phone off. <laughs> I can't leave it up on my computer like the the stuff will hit. Um, yeah. Like this, the... And the the noises will show up on the podcast. Okay, how should a rookie talent be handled? So this question came up because I've been watching a lot of Japanese footage this year. And um, I was kind of watching how they handle their rookies and different promotions there kind of handle it differently. Like if you watch Stardom, a lot of times they'll do these multis with like the trainer out there directing traffic. And it's just a lot of rookies and trainees just hitting spots like to kind of get the reps if you're in DDT, they're more of just like a straight up jobber, but working with people up and down the card for five or six minutes a night. Mm -hmm. And then if you're New Japan, you get kind of a quasi mix where you might be facing off with another rookie and just kind of like throw in some spots at each other for a couple of minutes before one of you wins. Or like you might go out there and like Yuji Nagata or Kojima might be like just... um hand-holding you through like a seven to eight minute match mm -hmm. so i and i i found each of those approaches have their now with the, this is with a caveat that 
in Japan, like losses are much more forgivable because it's about hierarchy, not wins and losses necessarily. So you can, and, and AEW's kind of captured being able to job someone up the card, but I found each approach interesting and has its merits. But like, I what I found was interesting was that they get their rookies reps with veterans. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's actually a good point. I actually like that they do that. It makes a lot of logical sense. Because like, I, I'm going to ask you, Shad, so <laughs> let's say... Let's say when you were a rookie, like let's say you're within your first twenty matches. Mm-hmm. How much would working like eight minutes with Yuji Nagata, like just like hand holding you through a match, how much would have that have done for your like progression? Probably quite a be... bit. Um, it, it those oh, those early ones, so much of it is just trying to get the jitters out for being out in front of the crowd, and having someone out there with you who is used to it and can, you know, basically think for you really helps, you know, helps you relax and start to listen to what the crowd's telling you, which is a, that's a big deal because you've got to be able to do that, but it's, (laughs) it's kind of hard to do whenever you're trying to, um, juggle, you know, all of these new, you know, the jitters of doing this for the first time and that sort of stuff. So, you know what? Um, yeah, that that would be great. You get out there, you do the stuff, um, and you're going out there and you're doing this, and even if you're not going to win, they might still give you a little bit so that you can – you don't look completely hopeless. And so you do that, and then you get to the bag and it's like, okay, this stuff you did was good. This stuff you did wasn't. And you, you know what? You – you go out there, you get some experience, you learn something, you get more comfortable. It, it, it's a good combination. You know, my first few matches, um, I went out, I was a manager while I was training. And then I did some tag match with some veteran guys, much more veteran than me, and some singles with much more veteran than me. And that, that helped a lot before they started putting me with... It, it 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 was funny because it would swing depending on who was at the show that night. I I either be working with someone who's been around a lot more than me, or I'd be working around with someone who'd been a lot around a lot less than me. But it was good. That was good for my development. Okay. All right. What's so, as our... someone that's someone that's been so someone that's been in the business, which of those approaches to you, Shad, sounded the best? Um. Well, on one hand, some things are going to sound great, but it, part of it's just going to depend on on your on your crowd. Because if you've got a crowd that's, or if you've conditioned your audience that, oh, you lose to this guy, then you suck. Well, you know, you, you're not going to throw them out there with your main event guy because you've got stuff you'd be wanting to do with them or. Things you uh, you know they're gonna they're probably already gonna be involved with something, but having them work some early matches with someone who's more veteran is is gonna help tremendously. Oh, just throwing someone out to the wolves early on is you're gonna have a stinky match and you're gonna have someone who's discouraged and not probably drop out before too terribly long. So 
See, in Japan, I think they've trained their audience a little better because I think in Japan, what happens is they, is you come out and you're basic because you're new and they haven't given you a gimmick yet. So they're like, oh, well, this is a trainee or a rookie. They're supposed to suck. Well, I rem- okay, this is such an odd specific callback. But the first time I saw Billy Kidman on WCW TV, he had a match against Alex Wright. His match against Alex Wright, he, whenever he got to getting some offense in, you know, he did some cool stuff. They were able to say, oh, you know, he's a rookie, but he's scrappy. He's going out there and he's trying. And then Alex Wright puts him away. And then on Nitro, they had him do something similar with somebody else. I can't remember who it was. Same kind of thing. Someone much more veteran than him that was able to to be like, okay, we do this stuff. They let him get a little bit of shine. He looks he looks pretty good. The other guy puts him away, and then they dropped him into the flock. And you know what? That really, it, yeah, he lost. But you don't expect a brand new, fresh out of the box guy to beat an established mid carder. That doesn't work. Unless you're Goldberg, and then it works. Well, it works unless it doesn't. It's it's we're 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 talking about the the flipping uh, uh, you know the the ninety percent rule comes in. This is things that are true ninety percent of the time. They're tr- nine times out of ten, they're true unless they're not. Yeah. So our so our last match, um, our, our last question for the night <laughs> is um is what is a good gimmick match that is often done poorly. And so I, I know Shad and I had an automatic. We both came to this conclusion right away. But cage matches in WWE mm. is an obvious answer to this. Because um, in my opinion, the escape rules are stupid. Because the think about this. You hate each other so much that you have to be locked in an enclosed area together to keep it contained. And then your first instinct is to try and run away. Well, no, because a cage is not necessarily just we hate each other so much we have to keep it in here. It's also keeping other people out. So, or it's keeping the other guy from running away. Like, there's a number of different reasons you could use a cage, but the problem is WWE cage matches don't. Like, they they don't any of it. If it's supposed to be a blood feud and you lock it in a cage, they don't work it that way. They don't go in there and immediately start laning each other and pitching each other into the fence. They start out by having a regular match and then escalating to it. No! You're having a cage match. Either one guy wants to get his hands on the other so bad that he can't run away, but the other guy always runs away. You're keeping other people from getting involved so the one guy can't get his hands on the other guy. Or these guys hate each other so much you don't want them to tear up the building and you put them in a cage. In either case, you start hot. You start you start throwing bombs straight away so people buy in. It's like, no, this is going to, you know, we're in a cage, so it's rough. <laughs> and they don't do that. The only time it worked in a WWE cage, I think, was um, with Bruno and Larry Zabisco, where Bruno pretty much just pummeled him and was like, I'm done with you, and just turns his back on him and walks out of the cage. I would agree. Um, and that's going back 30 30- we're like 40 years sorry yeah that's like 80 yeah that's a good cage match we should do that on the show at some point <laughs> i'd be down 
Matt, do you uh, have uh, do you have or were you going to talk Cage? I would probably agree with you. I, I had to think uh, about other ones, but I would agree with you about the WWE Cage matches. They're just they're they're not they're not good. <laughs> um, even they it used to be like Hell in the Cell. You could count yeah. on that being like good, and they've ruined that. They've ruined it. Oh man, that Taker Michaels one is so good. Yeah, it's probably the best one still. It's layered perfectly with all the different storytelling. And then Kane coming out. Yep. That's oh, what. That's I mean. such a great one. Matt, go they ahead never... and say your piece before I, 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 I start. Gushing. They've even they've even ruined War Games. It's like yeah. I I War Games is my favorite gimmick match of all time um and they've ruined it it's like it's 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 nothing even special now it's just here's not having of... a roof on it was like just showed they didn't get it yeah that original <clears throat> um hell in the cell is just so layer because they got to do this so Shawn michaels can't run away from the undertaker it keeps dx out um, you know, it's it was billed to be this horrible, brutal thing. So that means that um, the uh, you know that the, they're gonna they're gonna harm each other in there. Like, and then Kane comes out and takes all the build they put into how hard it is to get in or out of, and just rips the door off of it. Right, like you know. And, and Michaels is bleeding like a stuck pig. Yeah, but apparently, if you have a any kind of <clears throat> cage-like structure then WWE doesn't know what to do with it it is funny though Mick Foley tells like if if you ever I don't know if he still does them and obviously COVID but I went to Mick Foley's one man show Mm -hmm. Uh, is is it his comedy show I don't know what it is but he talks about the hell in the cell Mm -hmm. and he talks about like going through it and what he remembers of it and he talks about how Undertaker pretty much slammed Terry Funk out of his shoes. Yeah. And so he says, like, he's, you know, he's like, I'm just concussed to the nines. And I wake up and there's just these two shoes, like, just sitting there. And I'm so confused. <laughs> I don't know, Cactus. I just, had to, I just had to do something. You were in the ground. <laughs> I love that you brought Terry back. Terry. You're a goddamn coward, you know Tommy. You know what, though? I'm not a goddamn coward, Tommy. <laughs> I went out there and I got choke slammed it out of my shoes. <laughs> oh, you know, I learned I learned a fun fact about his Japanese album. Mm-hmm. Do you know he's one of his songs on there is a is a cover of a Jimmy Hart song from Memphis, "We Hate School." No. That nope, Jimmy, it, the first family sang in Memphis that like got a little play as a novelty <laughs> song. Like Terry Funk covered that for his <laughs> Japanese album. Can you imagine him calling up Jimmy Hart about asking to use that song? I wonder what that would sound like. I don't know if any of us can do Jimmy I, Hart. I don't think I, I I wasn't even gonna I wasn't even gonna do the other side of it. <laughs> Just it would be like a Bob Hope. Um, Bob Hope on the phone bit of just Terry Funk talking to Jimmy Hart. Yeah, I don't know. I can't. I'm not an improv guy. <laughs> I, can't, I can't. I can't do the Jimmy Hart thing. No. no I, I, I just say though, have you ever watched Jimmy Hart in Memphis? He's like the consummate like late '70s, early '80s douche. He has like the 
like the suit like with the out the undershirt and like the chest hair out and stuff like he's just he's got and like he's he's got like the sideburns like he's great yeah yeah so i want to i want to throw out another one uh the i quit match no 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 not the i quit match sorry i'm 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 struggling the Iron Man match in WWE is also bad because it always goes to overtime, which defeats the purpose of an Iron Man match. Yeah. It, it, I think only Lesnar and Angle did not go to overtime in WWE. That was on that uh, SmackDown, and they got the last fall right at the end. And man, that was. I remember watching that live. That was really good. But they also did they also did it right with that though and how an Iron Man should be worked where I think like Lesnar got an inordinate inordinately large lead early like three like three falls or something. Yeah. Cuz yeah. they did a they did an AJ Styles Jerry Lynn one in early TNA that was great where like the match is about to start and AJ just clocks him with a chair and knocks him out and like pins him like two or three times like right at the start of the match and then it's about Jerry Lynn digging himself out of the hole. Yeah. Um for Iron Man matches I I didn't love it as much as I hoped I would, but Rick Rude Ricky Steamboat did that. You started off at the beginning, Rude just like unloads some offense on Steamboat and then grinds him into the mat. And it's like, uh, and at the beginning, oh man, I was hyped. And then he grinds it down and I'm just, oh, I started drooping. But that's, that's exactly what they did is Rude went up. Rude went up by one fall early. And then I think he got a second, he got a second fall coming off the top, but that got Steamboat a DQ because it was that era. So then it was two to one. And then we're getting to the end of the match, and Steamboat caught Rude with something and tied it, and then he out of nowhere Rude with something else. And then in like the last 30 seconds, Rude goes for like eight pinfalls, and none of them stick. So it was it was this like down to the wire, is he going to pull it off thing. And it, that, that ending was just excellent. But if you go, like Brad, if you said, if you go into overtime, you kill all of the heat. Nobody cares anymore. Now it's just a regular wrestling match, and you've wasted ever how long the Iron Man section was. Well, the problem is that came up because Brett and Sean were being little dicks and wouldn't take a fall for each other in their Iron Man match. Yeah. And um, that they kind of like just set that precedent early, and it's never gone away. Which, by the way, one of the most overrated matches of all time is the Brett-Sean Iron Man match. Mm-hmm. People just think it's good because it's an hour. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's got Brett and Sean, and it's an hour, so there's this idea that it's got to be... And didn't it have the boyhood dream story tied into it or something? Uh, Yes. So. I actually thought the the Diesel-Sean match from the year before was better. I'd probably get burned at the stake for that, but that's what (laughs) I think. I have to rewatch all these. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Honestly, if you want an hour match that's actually good, the, the Flare Steamboat 2 out of 3 falls is excellent. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. And it feels like, it feels like... Matt, it, it sounds like, like you need a cigarette minutes. after saying that. That, the, any Flare Steamboat match, it's just like, okay, that's, that's gonna be, 
pretty much like a five star match or close to it. Yeah. I I I mean to be honest, I think the last time I watched it, I watched it a couple years ago. I think I needed to need a cigarette afterwards. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or like that um uh, some of those like all Japan tags from the 90s that go an hour. You know, there's a like IVP videos has a, a DVD that he just posted, I think from the last like week or so, where it's basically just a I think a compilation of like 1984 all japan matches and i really want to buy that yeah I mean, and i don't even think that was like their best year i think some of like the really good 93 i think's the the premier year even like 96 i think had some really great stuff yeah uh i need to rewatch 90s all japan there's just mm-hmm. so much so much well does but that that's... uh wrap it up on our questions Yes, I believe so. All right. <laughs> well, everybody out there, um, again, thank you for uh, thank you for joining us for this one. Um, we hope that you kind of enjoyed our, our more meta discussion here. Are there questions we missed? Are there things that you would want us to to kind of discuss in uh, along this vein? Let us know. We we you know we do requests. Please hit us up through our social media. And so. This is Shad with Matt and Brad. We've been in three quarters. You're in the fourth, and we will catch you next time.